Dude, I haven't watched First Take <laughs> and those. I stopped watching those when I found out I could get NBA TV. Mm. You could watch <laughs> you re- feel real just, television. Do you yeah. feel just like a cleansing force in your life? Oh, you 100%, man. First take you should anymore. shift over to this Shannon Sharp, uh, Skip Bayless one. What's that one called? Dude, that's even Speak worse. That's even Mike worse, Because at least, at least First Take brings in some skip. guys who know what skip. they're talking about. Skip, skip, they have, skip, like, skip, skip, yeah. skip, 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 like skip. Jay, Jay Williams skip. and JJ Reddick. Yeah. They're, they're pretty good, but... yeah. Welcome to Bench Reactions, the NBA podcast brought to you by a thousand plastic meatballs. Nobody wants a thousand plastic meatballs. I'm your host, Chase Baker, and I'm joined today by Patrick Hervey, Jason Lamprecht, and Zach Burnham dialing in from the other side of the planet. Zach, we're so happy you're able to to join us today, uh, have the internet in place, and we're uh, and we're just excited to dive in now because. Holy cow, we just witnessed the, what was it, the second highest scoring game in NBA history last night between the Kings and the Clippers, the the double overtime win for the Kings in Russell Westbrook's debut uh, for the Kings. He had an okay stat line, but, uh, you know, seven turnovers. uh, So he's got a little little, uh, work to do there. Final score of 176 to 175 absolutely insane we're going to cover the hawks firing nate mcmillan and their current uh, as the time of this recording of this pod they're basically going after quinn snyder and no one else at the moment fellas did everybody tune into the to the end to the the last two overtimes i'm sure, sure it's probably harder for some of the mountain time and central time folks because that uh, that game went pretty late Say it with me. Defense! <laughs> Defense! <laughs> I did not tune in live. I was I was fast asleep, but I did watch the highlights this morning, and not a lot of defense being played by either side. I should also mention, real quick, we did we forgot to mention that Dan Lyons has also <laughs> returned to the podcast. Prodigal son. Oh, Mr. Dan, I apologize. From, quote, canyoneering. Whatever uh, whatever that means. He made up a you know, made up made up a fake event to get out of the last pod, but he's back. Look, back and better than ever, baby. There are you- dozens of us. Dozens. He was, dozens. He was doing like an ayahuasca dark out like Aaron Rodgers, right? Wow. <laughs> Did you get in touch with your personal demons and release I've them? I decided to play another year for the Packers. <laughs> the Packers. Packers. Go Pack. Go Pack. <laughs> Sorry, I totally took us off course. Do we, I mean... No, thank you. I apologize for the omission. I mean, I, I noticed, Dan. but I also don't want to be like, lunch oh, hey, yesterday. guess what, guys? I'm, I'm also on the pod <laughs> right now. I'm, I'm back. Uh, <laughs> my bad. I actually watched uh, big chunks of the game and then the last uh, couple overtimes. And the crazy part was, well, there are a lot of crazy parts, but watching the Kings like do the full Kings and the Clips do the Clips both at the same time was like an absolute (laughs) atomic (laughs) bomb for you. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't realize that that uh, Schadenfreude, basketball Schadenfreude could make me so happy. Uh, It was incredible. (laughs) Like, (laughs) especially, especially, you know, with all of it, it seemed like at the end of each like regulation and at the end of each overtime, one of the teams had a big lead and then blew it. And then we had, a, <laughs> we got another overtime because nobody could stop anybody. It was incredible. And I think Kawhi had, uh, I think he said he had like uh, in the high thirties 
going in, or maybe even 40 in the third quarter. And there was a tweet that was actually surprised me that said Kawhi had never had a 50 point game. And everyone was like, well, this is going to be it. And I don't, I, I think he still didn't get it. Yeah. 45, 40, he finished yeah. with 45. Same. 40? Same as Bleak Monk. I think it's pretty Maybe. crazy that someone not having a 50 point game is surprising. It shows you where the league is gone. True. Because up until like 10 years ago, how like we could count the number of 50 point games in league history on like two, two sets of hands or something like that. Jamal Crawford has a 50 point game, doesn't he? And there's a couple uh, uh, players Jamal who have Crawford done that recently. Yeah, Jamal Crawford had Seattle a 50 legend, point baby. game in his in like his last season in the NBA. It was like one of his last games. He had a 50 point game. 44. Kawhi finished with 44. That's wild that he hasn't had a 50 point game. What I don't understand is the Clippers' calling card is supposed to be defense, not offense. Like, why in the world could they not stop the Kings? You might ask, why not? You just set him up. Are you trying to throw an alley-oop to, to Jason? Jason's just sitting there. Jason, are we are we litigating in a court of law right now? Jason, come down on. the dunker spot like Ben Simmons, just ready to go. Oh, Pass me the ball. Georgia. And Zach just set him up perfectly. All right, Jason, let our listeners know what you were about to say. Does it, does it, rhyme, with, does it rhyme with Trussell Breastbrook? What number is he? I can't remember. What, what's his number? Uh, oh, Trussell. You know, you might. Oh, Trussell. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say something that rhymes with that because that would involve saying his, saying his Christian name, which I probably will say soon because I did decide in a. I Morbius. did decide. Yeah, Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> I did decide in a heated back and forth with Tanner last night that I was, I was going to be the bigger person in this. Um, this breakup with between that player and the Lakers. And then I'm just going to like, let that, let that mess play out, be mature, root for, really, really, yeah, root for really everyone you, to be sure. happy and just move on. Cause I'm obviously happy. I did not have basketball relations with that player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think it was the perfect game for his debut because the Kings play zero defense. So he actually looked pretty to the, to the untrained uh, Morbius eye. He looked pretty good offensively, except he had seven turnovers. And I believe it's—I believe what you mean is the untraumatized yeah, Morbius. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he had seven turnovers, and and I told Tan—I I told Tanner, our one Clipper fan friend, who we will get on the pod to talk about this. I told him in like the second quarter, like it look it the most damage happens in crunch time and when the other team's playing defense. And like clockwork, if you watch all of the crunch time possessions where the Clippers started falling apart, there was two guys guarding Kawhi Leonard. Why? Because one guy was just unguarded, hanging out of the three-point line. Um, again, there's no way there's no way he's going to cause as much damage to the Clippers because he's on a minimum contract. He's not taking up cap space, and they are way more. Their roster is way more built to make him look good as long as he stays on his first day of school best behavior which is funny calling seven turnovers and some really atrocious defensive lapses first day of school best behavior but yeah that game was the perfect game for it because it both uh highlighted the the good the bad the ugly and it ended up going insane in crunch time and them losing which is the entire experience really wrapped up in one so i just can't help but laugh but also be mature and just wish everyone well going forward you're so mature, Jason. Thank you. I will say I was, I mean, watching the highlights, 
watching Russ kind of camped out on the uh, the three point line while while the Kings sent doubles at Kawhi over and over and over again was I'm like just just cut man like just move a little bit. Obviously, we know he's not going to hit threes, so hence the reason why they're sagging off of him. But my man, like you, and he's not going to set screens. No, but you're still super athletic. Like you can do, you can you can make backdoor cuts. You can do things off the ball that are still productive. I know we've been saying this for 12 years or however long it's been. Like, you know, it's always like, oh, well, this coach is the one that's going to get through to him. It's, you know, it's Frank. Frank Vogel's going to get through to him. No, it's Darvin Ham, who honestly kind of got through to him on some stuff. Maybe Ty Lue will be able to get through to him. But I think this, I don't know. I, I told you guys my biggest fear in all this is I just don't want this to further damage his reputation and you know, the way that he's remembered when his career's over. So just, you know, please, please bless that it goes uh, decently. <laughs> In his defense, that standing on the three-point line, I think is less a him problem and more a modern NBA problem. That's just what guys do. They stand on the three-point line. You're told not to cut unless your guy's driving to the hoop and it creates a lane, because otherwise there's a chance you clog. Even if a guy's being double, it's dumb, I think. But, like, why isn't he just playing dunker spot and... Roman the base. It's really interesting. Like, like what could be happening behind the scenes in regards to a coach trying to apply a coaching scheme that belongs in today's NBA, right? Like, I remember three, four years ago, there were a lot of conversations about like when Russ kind of like when he went to the Rockets and people were and then to the Wizards, people were like, All right, is he still gonna be the same Russ? He started to kind of backslide and people started to talk about his athleticism to say, you know what, like he's like a cut to the bat, like he's got he's so great at cutting to the basket, his athleticism is gonna really start to decline. I haven't really noticed that athleticism decline much for him but he hasn't leaned into it as much as a strategy for him to get to the basket. There is more standing on the three. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my point of view, it doesn't feel like he's leveraging the athleticism that he still has as much as he could. He, he can still explode to the hoop, uh, but I think it takes a greater toll for him to do that. That's why he doesn't do it as often. And I think you also notice that even though he's a, such a freak athlete, so even though he still explodes to the hoop like he can, that one to two inches or whatever it is that he's lost, you really notice uh, his shots are affected more. He's become much less efficient around the hoop than he was when he was in OKC. Uh, and part of that is that he can't hit a mid-range jump shot like he used yes. to be able to, so guys can sink even further into the paint. He used to have that corner jump shot that he'd hit all the time back in Dude, like 2013. it was money. His, his pull-up, yeah. top of the key in transition shot was money and now he he doesn't have that i mean to to your point chase about coaches being able to build a scheme the problem is i just don't think you can build a scheme around russ and that pains me to say but it's you have to hide the things that he doesn't do well and and that that list just continues to grow because there are things that he's unwilling to do and when you i mean when you are absolutely zero threat from a shooting perspective it's just in today's game it's really 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 hard to build an offensive scheme around that. We all know exactly what needs to be done. And hopefully the Clippers know that too. You start him for his ego. Then you only play him 20, 25 minutes a game. Most of those minutes, not with Kawhi Leonard, let him play with shooters around him and, and let him be a minimum contract player who scores 15 points. That's great. And he value. He'll bring you great. And just value don't play him that. crunch time. That's like the one rule. Don't play him crunch time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, and they have so many guys and Kawhi and PG are going to have the ball in their hands anyway. They don't need that traditional point guard. 
So get some shooters around them. I don't know. It's it's, it's so obvious. Interesting it's to so your obvious. point about crunch time, Jay. Like he did play in crunch time, and of course, and of course he did. He of course he hit that huge three. And then it was it was the tie, right? Um, at, at, yeah, at the end, P, right? PG passing to to Russ right there. It's just it was just such like it just killed me because I'm like, man, Russ giveth, but Russ taketh away. You know, like that's just that's that's the Westbrook experience, and it has been for a decade and a half. Yeah. Yeah, let's imagine go on watching to our him next for bit of news. a decade and a half. It's been brutal. <laughs> but let's just say the, Sorry, that Jake, was such ahead. a fun game, such a no, fun no game to watch. As much as it goes against yeah. everything I believe about basketball, for a game to end up in the 170s, <laughs> it was just so fun. And it's been a, a great... It's like watching the, watching the All-Star game, Except baby. a competitive one, yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's just been a great return to basketball the last few days after the All-Star break with the Sixers uh, Grizzlies game, which was insane. So many good games. I'm excited. Yeah, it was really cool to come out of the gate, the All-Star break that way. Um, our other bit of news to cover, Nate McMillan being dismissed, in the words of, of the Woj bomb that was dropped, dismissed from the Atlanta Hawks. A couple days after that, uh, John Collins, at a, at, a press, at a presser after the game, pregame or after game, was on record saying that Nate McMillan's coaching style might have fit better on an older roster. And he says he hopes the new coach will have more guidance for a team that needs help on the development on the development and mental side so what what happened in atlanta why 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 did nate get the boot i think we all kind of know the the, re- the answer why but let's discuss i mean i haven't followed i haven't followed nate's co- coaching career closely enough to to know kind of what his style is but it, it doesn't seem like his style of coaching really meshed with this squad he's i mean to to Collins, John Collins' point, I do think he's more of kind of a hard-nosed, old-school type of coach. He's been coaching for, what, 30-plus years? And I, unfortunately, that style just doesn't really mesh with today's stars, especially those that are that are young, like uh, like Trey Young. I did think it was interesting <laughs> that DeJounte Murray... I mean, DeJounte Murray came out and basically said, like, I called him after I heard the news and just thanked him for what he did for the team. So I do think that, you know... I, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it because I know Dan, I'm, I, I think he's probably going to touch <laughs> on this in his mud pie moment at the end. But I do I do wonder what kind of coach is going to be successful there. We saw Nate have success kind of at the very beginning. What I've heard is that part of the reason why he was successful is is he basically took Lloyd Pierce's scheme or his system and kind of carried that through. But he was a new voice in the locker room that the guys actually wanted to listen to at least that first year. And then once they had success, he kind of reverted back to his own scheme and what he wanted to do, and the guys just didn't didn't connect with that as much. So it'll be interesting. The other interesting thing that was said this week was KOC came out on the, the mismatch and mentioned that, I guess, Shams, I completely missed this, but Shams had reported that I think Nate, Nate McMillan at one point was like, eh, I don't really know if I want to continue doing this. That's and right. he was actually like proactively asking for them to to hire a new coach and they kept saying like no could you <laughs> could you imagine in your job if you were just like i don't i don't want to work here anymore and your boss is like no you need to you need to stay you need to continue to, <laughs> to work here i mean look when millions of dollars are on the line it's a it's a it's a different you know way of thinking but i'm hopeful that they'll get somebody i i think quinn snyder would be a fantastic hire for this team 
they just they need somebody that can get through to Trey and start to drive accountability on the team because that's what they're severely lacking right now. I think Quinn also is good at kind of coaching a more unselfish movement offense um, that if they actually buy into it would be super effective with their players. But yeah, I'm curious if, if you know, because we were actually wondering why it said dismissed. I'm curious if they actually just finally decided to oblige Nate and put him out of his misery, uh, hopefully while he was sitting on a beach in, in the Caribbean. Well-deserved. But yeah, I, 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 I think it definitely has been a long time coming, especially since that Denver game situation. Just this, this has been, he's been a lame duck for quite a while, and I wish him well, because that first season was so awesome. That first season when he came in and took over. And they, they're, mm-hmm. way more, they're way more talented than what they've shown. Yeah. I mean, to your point, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So there's just no, there was just really no no surprises about this. And what I thought of was shades of, I think it was Jim Boylan in, uh, in, in Chicago, right? Same sort of, you know, tough, hard nose where just, just didn't like that style of coaching, you know, works, works for like some people, but like, like when it works, it works when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. And so, yeah, just a, just a bummer all around. All right. Let's move on. Well, shall we dive into our next segment, which we call Eight Burning Burnham Questions, where Mr. Dime Zach Burnham will bring eight burning questions, eight exact questions. If it was seven, then we'd have to change the name of this segment, and that would be absolute <laughs> madness. We're not going to do that. It's eight, eight Burning Burnham Questions. And Zach, we're very excited because we have no prior knowledge of what these questions are. We're going to go relatively rapid fire through these since there are eight of them and we are long-winded, passionate individuals about what we want to share. So yeah, I got eight questions for the guys and there's questions within questions too. So hopefully uh, we can jump through these pretty quickly. But the questions deal mostly with what we're going to see in this little stretch run we have where there are about 20 to 25 games left for most of these teams. A lot of uh, positioning, jockeying for position that we're going to see. So let's get right into the questions. My first question, since we were just talking about this topic, I'll just go ahead and continue with it and maybe we could take a little less time. My first question is, can Quinn Snyder make any difference to this Hawks team? Who's currently sitting, they currently sit in the eighth seed and they've largely disappointed this year. But if you look at their rotation, they have Capella Collins, Hunter, Murray, Trey starting, Kongu, Bogdanovich, the newly acquired Sadiq Bay, AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, Aaron Holiday. They have a they actually have a really good team. Can Quinn Snyder come in and do anything to make a difference for this team this year, maybe into next year as well? To kind of lead kickoff, I think that's really gonna depend on if he can get to Trey. Because right, Trey is uh, <clears throat> accustomed to a certain style of play. And, and Quinn, you know, loves that motion ball sharing offense, right? Like with, with Utah, that's how, that's how we saw it. And so I think if he can, if he can get Trey to buy in and that ball really starts moving and, um, and there's a level of engagement as well. I think like the, the Utah played the best when everybody was engaged. And I think that that's something that Quinn really brings to the table is getting that offensive engagement. And that starts with Trey. And to be frank, I really don't know if he can I think uh, I think it's hard just with their position where they're positioned in the East right now, 
like, what is this, like, what does making a difference really mean? Because the best they can do at this point is end up in a first round series with one of the top three. And that's just going to be death no matter how well they're playing. But the, I think the most interesting possibility is if they stay in that eight, nine, or sorry, the seven, eight, and if the Knicks get passed by the heat, then we get a, a, a Hawks Knicks play in game with Trey. I want it. And I think, I think, I, I think especially <laughs> after like an off season and a training camp, I think he will make a difference. I think Quinn will, but I just don't think there's like that much they can do for this season. I agree because the Hawks offensive defensive rating wise sit like 14th and 17th. They're kind of like a middle of the pack team. To me, that says one of two things. One, there's just like this clay for molding. Like I think the right coach would come in and really help all of them elevate their game. Two, Quinn before a lot of shiz hit the fan with the jazz locker room issues in recent seasons was well beloved by all the youngins, all the young players on the team. So in terms of the fit of a coach coming in and being a good fit with the young guys, Quinn has shown that he can do that. So I, I think there's a lot of a lot of upside for Quinn coming in and helping the Hawks. But like you said, I think they'll, you know, just kind of get through the season and then let Quinn really understand, uh, you know, with the season uh, through the end of the season, how the players play, and he'll go into his kind of like genius zone and he'll come up with the schemes he needs. And as long and you know, we'll see how it goes. He was also very rigid in the past couple of years in terms of the offensive and de- defensive schemes, especially in crunch time. As a fan, it was a little annoying to watch him kind of just like stick to his guns when it felt like he wouldn't be very flexible. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts over time if if he is hired. But uh, I think I think be- he he because he can really dive into the strengths of the team. He can help them level up, and I think he'll gel well. With the with the locker room guys, with the locker well, room vibe uh, plus that, that they have. Nobody makes terrifying faces quite as much as Quinn Snyder does. So in terms of the guy getting the guys to listen to him, all he needs to do is pull one of his uh, Batman villain faces, and I think they'll listen. No, I I do think that to all of your points, for me, it's it's more about like that. I don't think this season is necessarily salvageable, right? Maybe they can make a little bit of noise in the playoffs when. The, their play-in game and win like you know a couple games in the first round make make this series interesting against whoever they play against to me it's more about going into next season coming out of the gates firing firing on all cylinders part of the reason being that they only have one more year of Dejounte murray and they traded away the farm to get him so they have to make i think really good progress right away or risk having to kind of blow it up so we'll see what happens but really good question i'm interested in the quinn snyder hiring because it feels like the hawks roster is actually pretty similar to the jazz roster they have a small guard who doesn't play i mean trey's way worse than donovan was even when he wasn't playing defense in utah but donovan also didn't play defense but capella is sort of like a gobert he'll never be as good as gobert defensively they sort of have that same build, but the Hawks roster looks even more complete. They have some more guys. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just interested. Can he elevate Trey? That's the real question. And I think the key is actually getting the ball out of Trey's hands. And if, if Quinn can implement a system like Golden State has where Trey's running off screens like Steph, I think the more you get the ball out of Trey's hands, the better your offense is going to be. Okay, let's move on to question two. We're going to move into the uh, 
Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns currently sit two games behind the Sacramento Kings in the West, and there's 21 games left. Where do you guys expect the Suns to finish? And do you think they have enough on that team, enough time to, to build the chemistry and enough depth on that roster to make a real championship push? And I guess the, the actual crux of this conversation or this question is how quickly do you think Kevin Durant can mesh with this team? So I think this is, I don't know if this is a, uh, this is not a hot take by any means, but I genuinely, genuinely believe that Kevin Durant might be like the number one plug and play superstar in the entire league. I think you can plug him in on basically any team and he'll fit in seamlessly right, right from the the get go because it's just kind of how he, well, obviously a big part of that is his actual game, his offensive game. But I think also he, he definitely takes the mentality of like, he's not a guy that's going to come in and, and be selfish in terms of, Hey, I need to have X amount of shots. I need you guys to get me the raw. Like he's going to play within whatever offensive system or scheme they have going there. I do think this, look, this is not um, in-depth statistical analysis by any means, but it certainly feels like the vibes in Phoenix right now are really high. Watched a lot of the game with the the thunder and the Suns last night. And uh, Terrence Ross was hitting shots Booker looked really good. Chris Paul looks like he's kind of rounding back into shape. They've got most of their guys back. Aiton seems to be locked in. He was, you know, when he wasn't playing, he was bouncing up off the bench when guys were were uh, were, do- were doing things on the court. So I personally feel like they can make a run to finish the season, especially with Memphis kind of sliding. Um, and then, you know, the, the Kings... The Kings are the Kings. Like I, I think they'll they'll continue to play relatively well. But I, I I think that Phoenix has a shot to get to at least the three seed by the end of the season. Maybe the two seed, depending on how Memphis rounds out. But I, I'm I'm pretty high on Phoenix going into the end of the season and into the playoffs. Same, honestly. And for me, I think a lot of it hinges on health, right? Both Chris Paul, Booker, and Durant have just dealt with injuries not only in their career but like in this season and you're right chris paul's like a million years old now too and so health wise i think if those if those three are healthy i think they absolutely have have the firepower to to make run to pat's point right you can't get more plug and and play than kevin durant right that guy's an offense just unto himself and he has that same offense against any team there's you know who it's not even anybody in the west can guard who, who in the league can guard him and so if, if, if Kevin Durant is healthy, I think that, and I, I, and I also do believe that he, you know, legitimately does want to win championships. And I think that every team that, that he's on recognizes like, Hey, let's like, let's, let's defer to Kevin. Oh no, we told Kevin. But, uh, I also think that, that between him book C- CP, just getting, getting all those guys together. Yeah. I think that this team is absolutely well positioned to make a run. After my take last week, I think I have to say that they're going to jump over the Kings. I think I have to stick to my guns, um, especially because the Kings seem like they're playing with a little fire right now, a little shenanigans. Last night was a great win, but the Suns have been playing great the last few weeks. Just this month, even with, with no Durant, they've beaten uh, the Celtics, be- I think before the trade, basically at full strength. They've beaten... Uh, uh, the the net they beat the nets i think uh, i don't i think that was right before the trade and then you know some good wins this week and stuff they just they just beat the kings which obviously helps with that standings thing so they've they're playing great 
And I think Kate, the great thing about Katie is he doesn't have to force the fit. Um, he'll come in and he'll do whatever needs to be done. And I, so, yeah, I think I, there are two games behind the Kings, but that's not that. I mean, with 20 something games left, that's definitely doable. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I think they're going to jump the Kings. I think they'll probably end up with the three seed, but I don't think they can catch Memphis. I have similar feelings about the Memphis thing. <clears throat> Mikhail Bridges was on JJ Reddick's uh, pod earlier this week, I believe, and went on record, you know, kind of opening up about the trade and mentioned, you know, he's bummed to leave. And JJ asked, like, hey, like, in your opinion, how do you think, how do you think uh, KD will fit? He said in his, it was interesting, he said in his opinion, KD doesn't bring a lot on the defensive end of things, which is interesting because KD was like off to such a hot start in regards to like how good he was doing with defense. So I don't know what Mikhail's thought is there. But then Mikhail's basically kind of countered that was saying, but you know what? KD's going to bring like 30 a night. And then he said, because of just that alone, he thinks that that will really put the Suns in a good position for the playoffs. But again, pointing out that KD being arguably the best plug-and-play all-star, bringing 30 a night and actually quite good defense is, I think, going to propel them in like to the 5-4 or even third seed. I think there's a lot more to be discovered because like we just don't have enough of a sample size to see how this team does being so top heavy and they having offloaded a bunch of their uh kind of like lower starting five into the bench kind of off the bench guys and even with the kings as well like i think it's still tough to say how well the kings i think we have more of a sample size we have more data on how the kings do they don't play defense but they are the number as of right now the uh number one offensive rating team in in the nba at the moment uh, maybe maybe that 175 point game kind of like b- bumped them up temporarily wild right uh the point being we know more about the king's lack of defense than we do about the sun's offense but we do know that kd will come in and do very very well so that to say i think the suns will have a very good have a better chance than the kings uh in terms of playoff positioning i think the key for the suns uh is less about kevin durant Based on, I mean, you guys all agree he's a plug and play, whatever. Yeah, I think the most important player on their team is DeAndre Ayton. If he's locked in on both ends, especially on the defensive end, that changes that team totally. And I think he's sort of been the crux of their chemistry issues this year as well. So I think they might rise and fall based on him. I mean, they have two absolutely elite guys. And the way that they've played since Booker's come back has really sold me on Booker. Like, he's a legitimate superstar. I've I've been a little bit cold on him. Like, uh, maybe he's just like a, a, a chucker. He just, he scores, but doesn't make a team better. He's, he's sold me. All right, let's move on to the next question. In the next 20 games, is there anyone that you can foresee jumping into the conversation outside the big three of Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a name out real quick just based on how this team potentially finishes the season, especially with the way that they started the season. And I'm not pandering to Jason by saying this, but LeBron, like I, I wonder if the, if the Lakers go on a crazy run over their next, you know, 20 games to finish 20 or so games to finish the season. And LeBron continues at the statistical pace that he's at right now. I do think that you could make a case that, Without him on that team, again, a lot of the MVP conversation depends on the way that you actually, you know, value players, the way that you think about, you know, players from a from a value standpoint. But 
you can make the argument that that team would be, you know, even more of a train wreck than they've been up to this point. I mean, it's a pretty easy argument to make without him. So if they go on a run, I could see him jumping into the conversation. I love to hear that, but I will say, I think it's actually not that likely because this Lakers team actually is, is because of how many good players there are. And because the last couple, the, the two games we've had with healthy LeBron and these new players, LeBron and AD have sat down the stretch because they've been blowing the other team out and they haven't been putting up numbers. Uh, I, so I, I'm not sure LeBron will actually like have eye popping stats. I mean, obviously winning will help. And I think he'll put up enough numbers to look good. And for obviously for everyone to recognize that he's the driving force, but I don't think it's going to be this run where it's like, Oh my gosh, LeBron's putting up 35, you know, uh, a 10 and 10 every game. Cause he doesn't have to, that's the great part. I would love for him to keep putting up games. Like he's been putting up where it's like 20, you know, 23, eight and eight. And he played 29 minutes because we won by 20. That's just, that is, I, that is music to my ears. Yeah. That's the dream. <laughs> Wait, Zach, Zach, who did you say that the big three were? So Giannis, Jokic, Luca? No, and Embiid. Embiid, Embiid, Sorry, sorry. No, I, I, didn't, I, I, take, didn't I took Luca out of that, out of that conversation uh, because it feels like the media sort of cooled on him a little bit in that conversation. Maybe because... Dallas has been pretty mediocre, but the other three, the other three guys, their teams are all top seeds in their conferences and have been playing really well. Yeah. I feel like I haven't heard as much about Luca, but I I think he's maybe the obvious name. And I wonder what like adding Kyrie to that team is going to do. It's definitely those three. I think Tatum has to be in the conversation. I think Tatum has to be in the conversation. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Like if Boston goes 15 and five, 16 and four, whatever, like over, over the stretch and really separates themselves in the East. I like. I have to imagine that that we're going to start talking about, or that Tatum will will at least rise to the top of the conversation. I I think the problem is these narratives get really like set in, so I think it's going to be really tough for any of those top three to get displaced. So I think what we're arguing about at this point is like who's going to be top four, top five, like at this point, you know. And I think Tatum for will sure. probably is probably most likely to be fourth. But I think I think like you say, Luca could get there, LeBron could get there. I mean, we've, we've stopped talking about job because Memphis has been just like a weird situation the last couple months. But if they go on a run, um, I think he could also get that attention too. So that's interesting. It's actually kind of like no one, you don't think anyone's going to be able to pass those three. Like it, yeah, I think, it's, it's I think that's a pretty already. impenetrable three. And in part, just because those narratives are so set in at this point. And for some reason, Luca's not part of that. And I think like what you said about Dallas is why. But yeah, I at this point, it's it's almost um, starting to look like a top two. So, but hopefully, I mean, this week yeah. people are talking after that Memphis game. People are kind of chattering about Joel again after that insane block. Um, so maybe we'll maybe we'll have that conversation. Cross fingers. It's interesting that all three of them are are bigs in today's NBA. You just expect wings to be dominating the conversation. The bigs can shoot. That has changed things. Not Giannis, but he does yeah, not Giannis. Things. Yeah, more. <laughs> he tries, yeah, he tries. Exactly. more Embiid. He tries. More Embiid and Jokic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got some threes in there. All right, let's move on to fourth question. So, outside of winning the lottery and getting uh, Mr. Victor Wimbanyama, what player do you think the Pacers should seriously target this offseason? And sort of more generally, like, what do you think their path should be 
this off season. Cause they, so they have one legitimate superstar who's like already knocking on the door of the top 20 players in the league, uh, in Halliburton. And I feel like it's time for them already to start building. So who should they go after? And now you see what I mean by like some yeah. of the questions, <laughs> like you can't just respond to you'd, you'd think it would. Well, the, the fun thing is, is like one of the, "Quote unquote targets should is 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 already taken care of, which is is keeping Miles Turner, who is still playing so well, and yeah. so it's it, it feels 100%. like their targets should definitely be a defensive wing, a big big defensive wing. I have, an, I have a name for you, Draymond Green. Huh? That'd actually be really good next to Turner Fits too. Perfectly Turner next can to shoot. Turner. They need some defensive juice. Get some leadership they in have there. Some faces that need to get punched. I mean, obviously he's on the he's on the other side of the. <laughs> so many so many faces to punch. Uh, We're already sure yeah, he's going to Detroit. Absolutely. he's got to go to Detroit. I don't know. Detroit has like seven thousand guys, man. Who knows? They just 7, pick up every center guys. that that yeah every center that oh, becomes available. Gosh. I just feel like uh, I feel like Draymond would fit in really well. If not Draymond. I don't know what what Portland. I'm just looking at free agents right now, but what I don't know what Portland's plan is. But Jeremy Grant would be another one that would be. Yeah. Jeremy really Grant's nice. one of those guys that like That's hypothetically is like, oh yeah, like we're you know we're a Jeremy Grant away from like being a pretty complete team, and I don't know. Jeremy Grant is fine. I don't think he's been to the right team, man. He was he was <laughs> yeah. really good. He, on he was really good on the what if team. they tried to pry away Chris Middleton? Ooh. I mean, that he's gonna be, be a free agent. He's gonna be a free agent. Going exactly. from Wisconsin to Indiana too. Some some Midwest drama. <laughs> so they do not have a lot of people on the payroll. So the two guys I actually thought of were Chris Middleton and Jeremy Grant. Going and get mm. both of them. Two uh, well, Chris isn't like a huge wing, but two pretty big wings. One who plays really good defense, both can shoot. I think if you go for those kind of guys, you're really banking on Tyrese yes. turning into like yeah. top 50, top 10 type guy. I don't know if he's that, but getting one of those, some wing star to play next Pierce? to him, man, yeah. I think they need that badly. If they could get it, if they could get like, J- this is, you know, yeah. pipe dream, but like Jalen Brown. Oh, Harrison Barnes like is that. also un- unrestricted. That oh, would be a, potentially another uh, another guy kind of that fits that bill, though. I don't know that his defense is really like super elite, but um, good enough maybe at awesome. least. Nah, man. He if they could get if they could get Kuzma, Ooh, Kuz, maybe? Okay. Kuzma yeah. Great if he fit. doesn't sign with, Love that with fit. Uh, Washington, that might be fun. <laughs> I heard there's a Kyrie Irving that's gonna be a free, restricted free agent. Speaking of defensive wings, uh, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Speaking of leaders of Ben, just really, really helped the, the chemistry. Oh <laughs> James Harden, maybe he might he might help with the chemistry. Draymond Green would actually be, I think, a great <laughs> drill sergeant for the Pacers to bring in and uh, Ima- and really try to set. set Imagine for playing for Rick Carlisle uh, and next to Draymond Green. <laughs> What a terrible life. Can we bring yeah. in uh, Rondo as an assistant coach for Carlisle? You're just getting yelled at constantly by somebody. Uh, <laughs> coach, I just want to have fun with my friends. No, no fun allowed. Zero fun. Run this play. So pretty much I asked this question to highlight again. I think we need to do it every pod to start talking it into existence. Pacers need Victor, man. Like, he's so perfect. You're here. So hard for the Pacers to get stars, you know, they got to do it. And honestly, another team that fits into this exact same category is the Thunder. 
young star, really good, about ready to start pushing for playoff contention. These guys need to start making moves. I'm interested. I'm really interested to see what the Pacers do this this offseason. Okay, question number five. What team or player, maybe this goes hand in hand, are you most excited or interested to watch down the stretch and why? I got to say, I think the for some reason, the one name that comes to mind, also not pandering to anyone in the pod uh, by saying this, is Joel Embiid. I really feel like this is going to be the season for him to see how he can drive the Sixers into the playoffs and beyond. I feel like it's Eastern Conference Finals, really finals or bust for him. But then again, you know, Daryl Morey's like not, probably not going to like try to let anything happen in the offseason if there it feels like you know there's a disappointment in however the Sixers results uh turn out but I don't know especially after that you know that Sixers game we've just been talking about it just uh Sixers Grizzlies game it just feels a lot like like MB like Embiid even though he's like top three maybe not cemented as the MVP kind of number one MVP candidate right now because of Jokic and maybe Giannis it feels like this season is like his to have in his narrative or to lose, in my opinion, because it just feels like there isn't anything he can't do offensively or defensively to impact a game throughout the game and down the stretch. Like he's probably, I think, of the MVP candidates, the one, in my opinion, firing on all cylinders. So I'm really excited to see how he how he drives things with, uh, with yeah, the I, the I love that answer, especially because they are probably the team that has the most to prove, like to avoid a potential disastrous off season. I think the obvious answer is, is Durant. Uh, but since we already talked about him, uh, he, you know, he's such a big question mark, but like a positive question mark, like, could this really, really work? I'm going to, like maybe a little bit of an offbeat answer, which is just leads into something I've been meaning to like kind of give a take on on this on the pod is I'm really excited to see what Macal Bridges keeps doing in Brooklyn. I think it's a big question how competitive they can continue to be. And I believe in them continuing to be competitive. I'd love for my answer to be Cam Thomas, but Jock has decided to has decided to put the Free handcuffs camp. on him again, <laughs> once again. Free Cam. But Mikal has already... <laughs> he did play the most minutes out of anybody he did. last night. Um, yeah. He, he, and Also, the Nets scored 87 points. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, they just need to, like... It, you know, it's a very similar situation to Luca, where they just need to figure out... They need to put the right players around Cam to be successful. They just need to really start thinking about who... So Cam is Luca. Is that what you're saying? No regrets. Just compare Cam no, rag, no regrets. Oh no, I think Macal has already shown, no that, you know, with that 45 point game that he has, and with, with what he was doing with Phoenix for the trade, that he has a high ceiling. And I'd love to see. I mean, there's it's a perfect situation where they have no pressure, but they also will get to play playoff games. And uh, I'm excited to see that and see them just do their best to mess some stuff up and make it hard for uh, one of these contenders to advance in a round. But yeah, I, I think Mikal has that kind of um, uh, potential and I, I'm really excited to see how they decide to build this Nets thing going forward because they just have so many players and they got to figure out what to do with all of them. I, I think Mikhail is the player I would most want to see go to Indiana and just start building a team oh. of my favorite players. 
sign Grant Williams over there. Like, let's go. Grant <laughs> yeah, Williams. Okay, so bridges, my bro. my answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna take us over to the West. Um, I think. I mean, James Harden is probably a, a pretty good answer too. But we already talked about Philly. I'm gonna go with uh, Anthony Ant Man mm. Edwards. I don't know if you guys saw this last night, but it's like every time we try to do something cool or fun or awesome, the Timberwolves make it not that way. So they came out of Wait, the game. Wait, is Ant-Man the, Toby? Uh, no, no, not not by any means. I So they came out of the gate after All-Star break last night, and they completely pooped the bed against the Charlotte Hornets at home. So they're I think they're 500 now. And they're going to need Ant to carry them through the rest of the season. And man alive, does that team have a lot to play for? I just think like that front office should be absolutely terrified of them missing the playoffs and somehow, a you know, a, a top pick them landing like one of the top two picks and it going to the jazz, because that's a, that's a legit possibility if the, if the Timberwolves don't, don't turn things around. So I think Ant is capable of it. His decision-making, I watched a lot of the game last night. It was very questionable. Like, he needs to lock in on both sides of the floor and be the leader of men that we know he can be. But, um, I mean, it's, it's also a team take. He's very young, but that team needs to turn things around in early. Pat and is supposedly that close. That's going to happen. Uh, it's, he's ramp- in the final ramping up stages. We don't know. Uh, will that be a good thing or a bad thing for this team? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not sure that's a good also, thing. <laughs> that's so know. fascinating that we don't I'll, know. I'll say this about Ant. I know baptize me i'm ready oh man Um, for for me staying in the west so (laughs) i have a homer bias take but i'll give a a slightly more nuanced one for it's not even nuanced right just a lot of the same things we said about Embiid, we can say about Jokic as well right it's put up or shut up you know can how how far can he take denver this year so that that's going to be really interesting to watch and then my beloved finisher, Lowry Markinen. I did see a wild stat the other day. And right, and the, the Jazz aren't going anywhere, nor should they. But he is just playing some incredible basketball. I think he's, it was something like seventh in made threes and fourth in dunks. He's just like the perfect, like, like modern, like NBA player is. And again, I think that when he plays aggressive, like as he goes, as aggressive as he is, so the Jazz go. And so... It's it's really promising to to see that and hopefully that can carry over to next year. All good answers. Here, here. I'm gonna go with John Morant and the Grizzlies because I'm worried. There's some real like troubling one. signs. I'm starting to think that they actually aren't a real contender. And I know they need to get Steven Adams back and he's such a huge part of what they do, but they've just gotten so cocky and they have this target on their back that they haven't really like been good enough to deserve yet. And so teams like really come after them. And like obviously Jaws, maybe the most fun player to watch in the league. He has the tenacity and grit of a true Grizzlies player, but I'm starting to worry just a little bit that building around his skill set might not be like a championship blueprint. I know that he's he's great. I'm not trying to say he isn't great, but you know, maybe I'm just making like the small guards argument again, which I've never really liked and disagreed with in the past, but I'm I'm seeing a little bit of like this cocky mentality, the Trey Young mentality, and just a skill set that maybe if he's your best player, it's not going to be enough. I don't know. Come at me with a with a rebuttal. Well, Dylan one. Brooks is going to be a free agent in the off season <laughs> if they resign him. Maybe that'll <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if they're coming after the Grizzlies or if they're coming all after Dylan Brooks. 
specifically Dylan Brooks's face. <laughs> yeah, he got into it with a bead so, again, again the other night. So Brooks is definitely the instigator, but Jaw the whole team, man. That's true. Jaw does it too, and him saying things like he's the best player in the league, and I'm not worried he about. Always the has West. like his entourage like yelling at the other afraid. team from the sidelines. Yeah. yeah, there's a difference between that kind of like self-instilled confidence that like every nba player and most top stars like should have like literally last night uh De'Aaron fox and malik monk were like so how do you guys think you'll fare against like the warriors they're like we're not effing worried about like anybody else or the lakers or whatever right they're like I, I remember the team they're like we're not effing worried about anybody else we're focusing on ourselves right like there's like that kind of like s- mostly healthy confidence that like Guys like John Morant like should definitely be allowed to have. But like you said, Zach, they're bore they're they're veering into this territory where without really having much to stand on, they're they kind of got this like massive chip on their shoulders and the way that they like interact with their teams and players is starting to get like borderline a little toxic. And of course, Jaw with some of the off the court stuff, which has been a little weird. Well, the thing that concerns me most is I wonder. Uh, to that point, if things are starting to kind of be a little weird in the locker room, there was a clip that surfaced, like, I saw yesterday on Twitter of, of like, the final... It was, like, the score was, like, 118-115, final seconds of the game. I don't think it was the Sixers game. I think it was another one. There were... uh, Grizzlies had the ball, and Jaw was probably, like, for the final 12 seconds, just standing in place at the three-point line. I saw that Doing basically nothing. Not hitting the rim for a rebound or a putback. Uh, Like, Desmond Bain threw up a shot. Um, I think Brooks may have thrown up one. That was the Sixers game, yeah. That was the Sixers game. That was the Sixers game. And Jaw was just mostly motionless. Like, I wonder if Coach ran up a play and it didn't have Jaw in it, and so Jaw's like, well, Coach didn't drop the play for me. I'm I'm just not going to help. So there's signs of deterioration that, like you said, Zach, maybe some of the one of the reasons why things are toxic between teams and other players is because I have to say I haven't said this is anything yet. I'd like to withhold judgment to the playoffs just because the Grizzlies have. It's possible that they know that they're pretty stuck in this in the two seed, and they've been stuck in the two seed for like two months or three months. So it's kind of like it's there might be a little bit of like what we're playing. What are we playing for? And this is the NBA, so let's see what happens in the playoffs, uh, and especially when Adams is back. That's absolutely the right the right take. Like we can't know until they perform full strength in the playoffs. Okay, uh, question number six. This one is uh, a good one for Jay. I kind of wrote this one for Jay a little bit. In a second round playoff series between the Lakers, big if that they can get there, and the Clippers, who wins? And then what is Russ's role <laughs> in winning or losing? How much series? time do we have? Nine, 90, 90 minutes. <laughs> um, look, I, I think it's, I think I've said it before. This, that's the styles make fights where we, one of the things that we didn't address as much or, well, we, we addressed it, but it's, it's not, but it's not perfected is the Lakers perimeter defense, especially on the wing. We have Jared Vanderbilt. We can throw him at one of Kawhi or PG, but it's going to be a question of who we throw at the other guy, and it's going to be a little bit rough. And that's sort of always been the case to some extent. So I'm not going to beat my chest and be like, we got this. But at the same time, I think I think the Lakers can. Uh, let, me, let me put it like this. If they play well enough to get to a second-round playoff series with the Clippers, I think they will beat the Clippers because... That would show a lot of gelling in a short period of time. And they definitely have the pieces. And the fact that they can win minutes 
where LeBron and AD either are not on the floor or are not playing well. And with the Clippers defense looking a little shaky, um, I feel pretty good. I want to say, so the rest piece before Jason can touch on that and, you know, just continue to, to slander my guy. No, look, it's all, it's all well-deserved slander. I think Ty Lue is too smart of a coach to play him down the stretch in the season and in crunch time in the playoffs. I think it's going to, I think these first few games are all about kind of appeasing Russ, getting him in, making sure that he's happy, that he's connected to the team, feels good about his role. But look, if they have a legit chance to, to get to like the four or three seed down the stretch, it's probably not likely, but if they do, he's not going to be playing him in crunch time. And especially in the playoffs, he's the master of, tinkering with his lineups, moving things around. I just don't see a scenario where Russ has an actual legitimate impact impact in the playoffs. I hope I'm wrong, but history would show that that's... Let uh, me just add one more point. LeBron and AD have never lost a playoff series. Thank you. Eh. (laughs) It is true. It's true. It's true, but I'd I'd believe a little more strongly in that if they made the playoffs (laughs) more frequently, so... We'll see what happens this year. <laughs> Question six. If the Nuggets get bounced before reaching the finals, should they blow it up or try to run it back? And you guys can, I don't think we need to talk too much about it. I'm just interested to see like, what would you do? What would your take be? And if you did try to blow it up, who would you try to get? I'm going to say like half ideal blow it up Jokic? by at least trading Michael Porter Jr., which I made it very clear needed to happen during fake trade week. <laughs> trade Michael Porter Jr. for either Macau Bridges Get that guy or here. if they can somehow swing OG or something. That's what they need. Oh, easy. I would say for sure OG over over Michael Porter Jr. Even really bad fake GM Dan knew that. <laughs> Dude, I, th- I just think trading Michael Porter Jr. is way easier said than done. What team is going to want him with the contract he's on and the health history that he has? I agree wholeheartedly. Jason, you're not trying he to is, change him anymore. For how many games? For how many? Jason, fake trade week is over. Dude, he doesn't play. He's not reliable enough, man. I just, I'm with you 100. I, I think that this team, this is really the first year that the whole crew has been together. So I'm not sure that blowing up the whole core makes sense. I think that we need to give Jamal more time to really, I mean, he's rounding into shape now, but I do think swapping out Michael Porter Jr. for a more defensive-minded long wing that also has scoring ability would be ideal. But or maybe multiple guys, are, maybe you know, multiple guys, because they right? could use someone who sure. fits a little bit better, maybe on a smaller deal, and then some depth, because they their bench depth is really bad, in my opinion. Oh, for sure, right. They they need a they need a backup playmaker, right, for when Jokic sits because they just right everyone knows how they crater. So yeah. Sign and trade for Jeremy <laughs> Grant. Bring him home. Bring him home. Dude, I, I was not I'm not kidding. I was literally about to say bring Jeremy Grant. <laughs> I don't think Jeremy Grant <laughs> wants wants to go anywhere. Jeremy Grant, Grant he call me, I'll take you to the or El Taco so. to Mexico. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was going to say like Jeremy would like have to be like if you want me back like some things have to be different. And uh you know who else is a is a free agent in the off season is uh Mr. Austin Reeves. I feel like he might be Jason's a good addition. Precious to come Austin. Off the bench. I'm actually Jason's you, like don't Are you sure touch he, my Wait, Austin. are you sure he's a free <laughs> Jason will kill you. I thought he had <laughs> Yeah. 
He's restricted. Yeah. He, if he I is, think is a, right? no. he's a restrict. He's a restrict. He's not going restrict. anywhere, man. Yeah. He's staying in L.A. He's Russ, not going anywhere. Russ could, you know, sign Russ as your uh, your backup. Bring him off the bench. Anyone? <laughs> maybe someone who really hates. Maybe someone like Danny Ainge who really hates the Lakers will give him one of those like poison <laughs> pill contracts where it's like super backloaded. <laughs> Jeremy like Lin. McConnell deal. Was it Jeremy McConnell or yeah. was it uh, Jeremy Lin that, had one? He had one too. Yeah. Tyler anyway. Johnson. Dude, that's that's a, that's Tyler, Tyler, yes. Tyler Johnson. Deep cuts, baby. Yeah. I don't so know how like the Suns took million, on that, that contract. Like Five million in his last year. You know, like, that was insane. That was like, summer, how is, that like, how summer they... was nuts, man. It was nuts. That was wild. I think they should <clears throat> look into what they can get for Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. That's basically blowing it up. Like guys like KCP, you keep Aaron Gordon. I think they definitely keep because they're two way guys play defense. But I would look in to see what I could get for those two guys. They're good players. Someone might take a chance on them. I don't know. I just I don't think they're going to win a championship with this current roster. They're not going to be good enough to beat a Milwaukee Denier? or Boston, even if they make the finals. Which is why my Jalen Brown, my barometer for Jokic's success is making the finals this year, not winning. Because I just I don't think they're good enough. Shopping Jamal is a, a hot take around but they do need here. To make the finals. Don't, don't find yourself talking about that on Colfax at 11 p.m. on the Saturday. Let me tell you that. Chubby's at 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> the original. Yes, of course. All right, last question, and this is another one we may, can just jump around and name our guy. What superstar do you most expect to get traded this offseason? And what teams will be in on him? Does traded. So not like not going to be a free agent. Will yeah, be not traded. the free agent. Does Kyrie sign and trade count? Chris Middleton. Okay. No, no. There's like real trade, real trade. Damian Lillard. I did Lillard. that specifically to not talk Damn. about Harden. Damn. Ooh. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Damian Lillard. I think that look, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of chatter around him staying loyal. He's been incredibly incredibly defensive of his desire to stay in portland almost to a point where it's like is, is it too much is this too much here like are you are you a little too defensive about this let's not forget and i don't know how how legit this was but just a couple summers ago he was thinking about potentially leaving portland and i just think like they're at this point they're trending in the wrong direction they're not even going to make the play in dame it's time to it's it's time to let it go and move on to a team where you can actually win. Portland will love you forever. You'll be your jersey will be retired in 0.2 seconds after you retire. Maybe you can even end your career in Portland. But I'm gonna do some similar wish cash, casting and say Brandon Ingram. And I'm yes, Brandon Ingram is a superstar. Do not at me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Pelicans are gonna re-examine kind of the fit with him and Zion. And especially if another superstar becomes available i think ingram is the guy that gets traded for him and so i'm gonna say brandon ingram free bi i'm shocked you didn't go with ben simmons say... over uh brandon ingram, <laughs> superstar, you know, ben simmons. superstar ben simmons <laughs> oh still one of my favorite twitter handles i've ever seen is simply called ben simmons is a tall rondo <laughs> Honestly, if it'd be great Rondo's if he was playing like a tall Rondo incredible. right now. If he had his attitude, <laughs> for real, yeah, yeah. If he was peak Rondo, that would, that would actually be very, very good. Yes, yeah, peak Celtics Rondo. I am gonna go on a limb to say if the Heat don't turn things out the way that they want, I think Jimmy Butler might Whoa, be a trade on the way out. That's, that's a good take. take. It's hot. I know it's hot because Jimmy is like the culture <laughs> fit. He's hot a cult, he's a culture fit. 
it for the heat there. But then, but I've, I'll stand by this. Jimmy's a lone wolf. That's his play. That's his archetype. That's his, that's his vibe. And if, uh, and if things don't turn around, turn out the way that they want, be like, you know what? Like, we're really good. I'm speaking like, as if I'm the heat front office, we're really good at developing players. Um, we've had a pretty decent run here of like two or three seasons with, with Mr. Butler and, I think maybe they trade him to see what they can get in return because he's because he's still doing pretty well. How old is Jimmy? Is he yeah, in his he's 30s? Like 33. Like 33, 34. Yeah, he's basically our age. Is he really? That's actually that's a good time Shut to trade him. Dan, you're older than us. <laughs> yep, 33. It is. Dan, I mean, his contract is pretty pretty crazy. All right, Dirty Dan. <laughs> yeah. Don't be surprised. Not bad. It's actually a pretty good take. I hadn't thought about Jimmy. What do you Honestly, have, what do you have, I mean, this is this is super, super half baked. I just think that the Hawks should trade Trey Young. I don't know. I don't know if they like. I don't think that they will, but I think I just think you know what Trey's ceiling is at this point, and so it's like got to move on from Trey. Got to. Are you doing a? Are you doing a segue right now? Is this a segue? I'm. 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 I'm saying. I'm. (laughs) We haven't let Zach go. You have to let let, segue. I'm a. We have to let Zach go before you can segue. segue. Come on, man. I was just saying. This. You're you're thinking. Hey, like what? What should happen? I think. I think the Hawks should trade Trey. I think we they all think the Hawks should. should trade Trey, and I think it's yeah. very, very unlikely. So you did not answer my question, but I'll <laughs> you award me no let points. It it's who do you expect? Who do you expect to be traded? Yeah. I think Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, that was, yep. I, was just I think the Timberwolves yep. are going to look into moving him. Hashtag same mind. And I think when we talked about Joel possibly being traded uh, last week. Pat, I think you brought up that the New York Knicks would go hard after him. I think the Knicks would go hard after Carl Anthony Towns. I think that could be a good. Who did they bring? Who did they bring? I was gonna say, would that see Julius Randle leaving in this scenario? Like Cat and Randle, Jill? RJ, yeah, that would be a great fit with Ant, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I think it would start Mm -hmm. with RJ, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, Miles McBride. They got a lot of young guys. Obi, Obi Wan Toppin, dude. They got a bunch of. <laughs> Obi's got to get of, out of the Knicks, man. They got a bunch. They of don't respect picks him too. They have most of their picks. Uh, one final thing I wanted to say: a good landing spot for Dame. Sort of an interesting one we haven't talked about. Brooklyn now has all these assets. Utah Jazz. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say the Jazz. Sorry. <laughs> I've talked that one for years, and Dan shot me down when I when I uh, offered him Dame for Donovan oh Mitchell. And he's like, yeah, right. Donovan Mitchell's better. Yep. And then like yep. the next two playoffs in a row, Dan's like, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> at least, at least he's so wrong. wrong. Oh, I had to eat so much crow. Dude, Dame in Utah would have been so oh, good man. those few years, you know, and cause he's one of the few stars I thought would actually go there. Dude, him, the, Weeper him that, the Weeper state Jersey, the also, but no, I think pretty he, cool. He, yeah, that was so cool. But I think Brooklyn had they have a lot of assets. I think they could make the trade and pairing Dame with guys like Mikel. Oh, that'd be amazing. Bro. Yeah. I would buy a Dame. You could bring uh, Cam Brooklyn Nets jersey. Cam to Portland. Now we're talking. Jason would be happy. Now we're talking. Hey. Cook up free Cam. Hashtag free Cam. Hashtag free Cam. Cam and Anthony Simons. What a what a defensive just you know. <laughs> what a three inch tall brick wall. The opponent. Try to keep up, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about blitz. It's always been about getting, getting buckets. <laughs> Proof after the Clippers Kings game last night. You just score buckets into the future of the NBA. There we go. No defense, dude. What a dystopian future where defense is really, really not very highly valued. 
Wow, what a great ra- what a great round of questions. Those were some seriously burn and burn them questions. That was really fun. We got to do that again sometime. That was that was thoroughly enjoyable, Mr. Dimezak. Uh, but you guys, Dan, Dan is gonna come in hot with a mud pie moment, and I I mean again we've we've touched <laughs> on the Dan lunch the meeting pie. we had yesterday. We had yesterday, but uh, dirty dirty Dan the mud pie man is coming in yeah. hot, and I'm very anxious. All right, and excited this is gonna be you drop like your mud pie, Dan. Drop it now. This is a quick and dirty mud drop pie. Drop it huh? Okay. So, obviously, we talked about the Nate McMillan firing. Um, I had some quotes, but we actually kind of covered that earlier. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, too bad, too bad, Nate. And we all know uh, <laughs> the role that one Trey Young had to play in just in the, that locker room and with everything and in, in that chemistry. Now, the great thing about Trey Young is, you know, he has shown his leadership abilities in that locker room, right? Just, you know, really, really big chemistry guy. You know, he really buys in. He understands what it takes to be a great leader. And as such, he also can readily identify who else could be a great leader on on the team. He feels like he, he, you know, has some insight into who the next head coach of the Atlanta Hawks should be. Or maybe hinting, right? Spoiler alert. It was not Quinn Snyder who would, frankly, be like the perfect fit for 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 this team, uh, and he did it in such a such a Trey Young way. On his Instagram, he posted a picture of him wearing the jersey of a great recent leader of men, Jason Lamprecht's favorite player, two-time MVP Steve Nash. As who is he? Is who? Oh my! He is. Incredible stuff. For head coach. And it's just great, right? Because Trey's a leader, right? So Steve could coach sometimes. Trey could coach the rest of the time. You know, it would be it would, it would <laughs> just just be perfect. Guys, that is my quick and dirty Trey Young mud pie moment of the week. Man. Dude, I think Trey, what makes it Trey so great too eat. is like, didn't Steve Nash completely trash <laughs> yeah. Trey Young a few yes. years ago yeah. when he was coaching the Nets? Yes. Like that's he not basketball. With, with all the fouls. Oh my gosh. He was like, that's, that's, that's not it. I had not seen Still that happening, Instagram. by the way. Whoa. I'll tell you what, man. Trey <laughs> is not using the slices, man. <laughs> Much he needs, slice. he needs a bigger slice. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, that's just, that's so indicative of who Trey Young is, what kind of basketball player he is, I should say. Like, that he would go for Steve Nash, a guy who is known for not yeah. <laughs> coaching at all and just letting the players do what they want. All Trey wants to do is do what he wants, and that's chuck terrible <laughs> shots and shoot 31% from three. And we talk about him like he's a good three-point shooter. He's shooting Pull like... from the logo. He's shooting like a percentage yeah. point and a half I will say, um, like, what the mismatch talked this week about, me, about their <laughs> me, best player and their coach needing to be on the same page. Those two would be on the same page. No, de- no defense. That's the page. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's true. Yeah. All offense, no Ugh. defense. Let me read a, a, a quote here from Trey about uh, the Nate McMillan firing real quick. He said, quote, mm. I kind of let y'all make up rumors about certain things, about how I am and how my relationship is with certain people. <laughs> I just play basketball. I just shoot 31% from three. Come on, man. Real, that's a really... That's a really <laughs> he said he had a really nice good goal. relationship with McMillan. The Very eye roll of all I eye rolls. Seen that. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pictures worth a thousand words, boys.